Casey Covers Country. Hello, and welcome to the busiest slash craziest day of my life. I have Spencer Crandall calling me in about uh, a few minutes from now, and we're going to chat and see what's going on with him. And of course, we'll get to everything that's happening in the country music world right now that we talked on air about this week, kind of like Chris Stapleton and why he's uh, such a hot shot at Waffle Houses. Also, Blake Shelton made the top 10 list of highest paid musicians in 2021. Pretty crazy. Oh, not to mention my boyfriend's car got stolen this morning. (laughs) It's just been... A Thursday, so let's just hop into it. Oh, here's Spencer now. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing? I'm great. It's so good to talk to you. I've been trying to get my uh, music director to get you on the phone for a minute now. Oh, nice. Well, I'm glad that I'm talking with you. Yeah, what are you up to today? Literally nothing. For the first time in so long, I have like a day where I'm just kind of bored and cleaning and writing some songs by myself. It's very relaxing. Yeah, that's honest. Those are the best days, though. Oh, best. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I was just scrolling through um, Instagram and saw that you were answering questions. So I do want to get to that at one point. I just want to say that I've been a big fan for years. Give me a little elevator pitch on what's like your background. Yeah, like my, first of all, that's very sweet. My background is that I went to go play college football. I got two shoulder surgeries. I had no idea what to do with my life because I stopped playing and I had this little Walmart guitar that I stole from my little brother that I brought up to college Mm -hmm. and just started messing around when I would skip class and just be in my field because I didn't know what to do with my life and learn some chords, learn some covers, and then fell in love with writing music and just kind of my experiences and started kind of playing these little pre-games that we'd have with our friends and people would ask me to send them the songs that I wrote. And I got addicted to that and then kind of found the internet pretty early on. So I got like Kane Brown and Luke Combs doing that. So I was like, all right, screw it. I'll do that. And have kind of bet on the internet ever since. Moved to Nashville August 2016 and haven't really looked back. That actually makes perfect sense because I remember when I had found you, so I was still like, I was finishing up college in 2016. Also like trying to break into country radio somehow. Um, and mm. I was at a friend's house in Nashville and they were like, there's this guy, he says he's an artist. He just DM'd me on Twitter and it was Spencer (laughs) Crandall. And he was like, Hey, listen to my new single. But that's how I first found you. And I remember in the moment I thought that's actually a great idea to just like DM people on social media, even if they're strangers, just to put yourself out there. And I guess that's kind of how everything's evolved since then for artists. Yeah, I I mean, I kind of just didn't know where to start. So I was like, well, I will just start telling people what I'm doing. And so I'd put out a song and I'd just sit there again. I'm in, you know, whatever oceanography 101 and would just be like, all right, I don't care about this class, but I do care about music. So I'm going to message 800 human beings today. Mm-hmm. And if out of 800 people, 80 people responded and then eight checked out the song, that's eight more people that knew me today than yesterday. And I would just do that over and over and over. And I would, message people on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and and all that stuff. It was kind of before, you know, TikTok or any of these apps had these crazy algorithms. So it really was just kind of this like slow grind. And it through that built up enough of a fan base to kind of start making some money and start, you know, having some opportunities in Nashville. And that's kind of when I moved. 
Do you feel like you have a stronger connections with your fans um, via the internet now? Do you feel like you guys have something that you maybe wouldn't have had if you didn't start that way? Yeah, and I think it's because of my choice as an artist to like, I, I spend a lot of time on those apps um, responding to people. So I respond to comments, I respond to messages. I have a, a texting platform people can text me at and I actually sit down for like sometimes an hour a day um, and I'll just respond to people and ask me questions. They'll ask me when I'm coming to a sh- or when they can come to a show in their city and like I'll take the time and actually have conversations. So a lot of times when I see fans in real life, I might not know their name, but I know their Instagram handle. I'll be like, oh, at Unkitty Fox. Like, I know you because we talk. <laughs> that's the best. I think that's something that people often wonder about is when artists have um, a text number in their bio. Is it actually the artist that's responding to you or is it someone from their team? I'm sure it varies from everybody, but it's great to know that it's you on the other yeah. side. Yeah, it really is. And I, I love that process. To me, it's not very fun to put out music and have this kind of distance relate distant relationship with your fans where it's like, all right, I, I put out the music, you guys listen, and that's it. Like, to me, we call our people the stadium gang because I have this big dream to play a football stadium, and we have just, like, a private stadium gang Instagram, and I post stuff on there, and we talk on there, and I really want it to be this conversation. I show them songs early. I show them artwork early. I want it to feel like a family because there's just no point in getting to a stadium and not feeling like the people that are there like know you deeply. I think that would be a fear of mine. So I want, I want like a real relationship with these human beings. Cause I think that's why I got into music was to connect with people and to not feel alone. And, and part of that is songwriting. Part of that is putting up music. And then part of that is the interaction and the like building of real, genuine, authentic relationships. It's, it's my favorite part. Yeah, because getting back to when I saw that you were answering questions on Instagram today, somebody asked, what's your pet peeve? And it was actually about yourself. And it's funny because it's also <laughs> something that I've been trying to work on lately. Yeah, it's it's uh, pet peeve is that I, I'm a story one-upper sometimes. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm especially around somebody new, I really want to impress them. And so if they're like, yeah, I met this person, I'll be like, oh, that's cool because I met them too. And it comes out of my mouth so fast. And I'm like, why? You don't have to share that right now. You can let them shine and just agree with them. Or it it comes down to me wanting to be liked and wanting to have attention. And, um, yeah, that's not, like, necessarily a fun or, or like, sexy thing to share online. But I think it's real. And I want my people to know me deeply again. So that's part of that. I totally agree. I actually... It's the let other people shine thing for me. And it came to me last year. At the end of last year, I got to interview Carly Pierce. And she was like super having an off day, came to the show feeling under the weather. And I left it feeling kind of shitty because I thought, man, you know, I... I was like trying to pull things out of her. I was like interrupting her as she was mm-hmm. talking or trying to like make that interview good for me when really it was th- that night was all about her. So I, com- I totally agree. That's one of my biggest um, yeah. like goals of the new year. Do you have any other like new year's resolutions? I'm not like a huge new year's resolution guy, but I definitely have, you know, kind of goals and like every year I want things to kind of move forward. And I think this last year in a really good way, I had some really cool things happen to me that felt like, it took some pressure off of me and it also made me realize how out of control some of my goals were, which aren't goals. Like Mm -hmm. if you can't really 
be a part of them coming true, then it's it's hard to say it's a goal. Like something like I got on the highway for the first time this last year, and that was a goal of mine. But when it all happened and when it was all said and done, I'm like, it just came down to me making good music and having people who support that music. So now my goals are more measurable and like just specific about music and about making a certain quality and quantity of music. And um, it's, it's honestly just doubling down on a lot of things that I found worked from last year and kind of transcending or leaving behind some of the things that just weighed me down or kept me feeling anxious. And the, the repetition of that process, hopefully over many years, will make you wiser, I guess. Yeah, of course. And actually, speaking of, my person just went number one on the highway, which is like a huge yeah. accomplishment. Like you said, you can't really plan for that. It just kind of happens on its own, and it's in the hands of everybody else who hears the song and starts to love it. It's probably pretty cool to know that a song that you created is now going to be someone's first dance song or their like love story song. There's no greater honor. I mean, it's the coolest thing as a human being. I get sent, you know, weddings happen like every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday now. So every single one of those days or nights or next mornings, I get a video to 200 videos of, hey, I was at my aunt's wedding and and they don't even know who you are, but they heard this song on TikTok or they just heard it on the highway. And so now they're using it as what most people would deem one of the most important or like emotional moments of their life. So it is a, just a huge honor. I'm very humbled by that. And it's just really cool. It kind of is a fun thing to be a part of the, my person train is moving very fast and I'm just proud to like be on board. It's fun. So before you went to Nashville, are you from Denver originally? Yeah. I I just got off a plane from Denver literally a couple days ago. It's like a whole different world from the Midwest in certain ways. Like, For example, did you grow up skiing? Because I'm told that when you grow up in Denver, you either grow up with a skiing family or a snowboarding family, or you just like don't at all. Yeah, my dad is like a skier, and my older brother rioted around the age of 10 years old and was like, I want to do something different and cool. So he snowboarded, and then I just wanted to be my older brother. So then I snowboarded and then it kind of went down the line. I think now my, I think my little sister might ski because then she went all the way full circle and was like, I don't want to do what the boys are doing. So now I ski. So we're a mixed bag. We, uh, you know, we all started wrestling or I guess me and my little brother started wrestling in high school. So it's tough in the winters to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, but I try to get back as much as possible because it's, it's one of my favorite things as a human being is to go snowboarding. It's amazing. And that makes it like easy to be proud of the place that you come from. Oh, so fun. It's Denver and Colorado is just like this magical place. I'd put it up against anywhere. It's really just amazing. And also, I think I read somewhere that you were basically raised on country music, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My My parents are both like fanatical country music fans. I feel like they still find people before I find people, which amazes me because I live here and like do this thing and they'll be like, well, have you heard of so-and-so? I'm like, dang, that's, they're really good. Who is this person? Oh, they just signed a big machine. I'm like, what? How do you know this? (laughs) Especially with you in the game. I bet they're keeping an eye out on it for real. Yeah. They're, they're always kind of ear to the ground people. They love finding new artists. I feel like my dad found like Thomas Rhett and Sam Hunt and Carly Pierce and Ashley McBride and all these people like before the highway, before Spotify. And he's always kind of been like that. And I remember, you know, if Kenny Chesney was in town, like we were at the stadium 
every single summer or Luke Bryan or Keith Urban or Tim McGraw. Like we just go to those massive country concerts and it was such a highlight of our year. Um, then I started going as like a teenager, sneaking in alcohol, like the classic, mm-hmm. you know, suburbs kids. You just, that's all there is to do and you're bored and you have too much time. And so we just drive around listening to country music that our parents showed us. And then you go to the country concerts and it just felt so much a part of our life. And obviously they were talking about our lives. So it just felt like we were seen and heard and, you know, the, the first love songs that you hear when you're falling in love, all that stuff. It's just like a magical genre of music. I'm kind of in the same state. I was raised in rural Illinois to the extent that I literally didn't know that other people around the world didn't like country music. Like when I went to college was when (laughs) I realized, oh, my roommates really don't like the music I'm playing or my roommates actually don't know who Blake Shelton is. Is there like, (laughs) do you have any other genres that you feel like you connect with the most? Because for me, it was only country music for the first 18 years. Yeah, I have like a, again, like this kind of odd sensibility because my parents are fanatical country music fans and I was a kid who would beg my dad to play Don't Take the Girl over and over in my car seat. But at the same time, I have an older brother who downloaded LimeWire and had, you know, he literally crashed our computer because he had way too much music on there. And it was like he found, um, in the spirit of my dad, he found EDM like before it was cool and a ton of pop punk music, a ton of like underground or like really awesome hip hop music. I remember like Tech Nine and Three Six Mafia and obviously like Eminem and Drake and Jay-Z and all those kinds of people as well. So I loved rap music because I loved the cadence and delivery and the, again, the storytelling of like what they were going through. I loved EDM and pop punk because of the energy that it brought. And then I love country music for the storytelling and the instrumentation and, and cause it felt like my life. So you can hear in my music, a lot of the little pieces, I kind of Frankenstein all of my, um, you know, inspirations growing up into this thing that I create. It's like country music with a twist, with a kick, with a, just kind of this extra element where if you dive deep, you'd be like, oh yeah, that is weirdly this person or this person showing up there. It's fun. Yeah. So have you heard, speaking of like pop punk, that really made my ears perk up because of that music festival in Vegas. I forget what it's called, like when we were young or when we were kids. When we were young. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, the lineup? (laughs) It's insane. It blew my mind when I first saw that. I was like, how do I get to Vegas? Oh, it looks it looks amazing. I I think my older brother sent it to me first and was like, Should we all go to this? And we were like, Maybe we have to. But now I'm seeing all this stuff on TikTok about how people think it could be like a fire fest situation and how like it seems dicey now. So I'm I'm just gonna wait out the waves and see what happens. That would be so sad. If that's how it went. I'm always a little bit paranoid now about music festivals just because of how awry they can go and how like we've seen them go in the news as of lately. Yeah, it's something I think about every time I'm out again, like just being honest, that stuff is always like scary to me. And then that obviously the Travis Scott kind of thing is just terrible. So hopefully that is we see a huge shift in like safety and protocol moving forward that people are like really intentional about hey, we all want to gather, we all want to enjoy this music, but there's just new rules and there's just new boundaries, which would be great. Yeah, I'm sure as an artist, that really affects you in a whole nother way as well. Yeah, the the thought of like somebody not having a good time, just that alone bothers me. So obviously somebody 
losing their life or something as tragic as what happened um, at Astro World or anything like that is like it's terrifying and, and we need to do everything in our power and more to make sure that never ever ever happens so my hope is to be a part of festivals and shows that people just take the right precautions and that's just not even something people have to worry about I want people to show up to shows and go and leave and never have had to think of anything like that they're just from the moment they show up Somebody greets them with a smile. They love the music. They're having a good time, good drink, good food, whatever that looks like to them. And they can go home and just be like, that was one of my favorite nights of the year. Okay, well, tell us, tell me what you got going on right now. Are you going on the road? Are you promoting anything in particular besides my person? I actually just hung out there yesterday and made a bunch of content to promote it. I'm going on tour with Lauren Elena, which will be very fun. Awesome. Um, Yeah, so that's a really big opportunity for us, like, especially as an independent artist and um, just feels like a huge step forward. So that starts February 24th. I have a new single called Made that's in rotation at the highway and doing big things for us. So make sure to go check that out wherever you listen to music and then just be on the lookout. Um, I do a podcast called Why Are We Here? But I, I put out episodes every Monday for the most part and then just a ton of new music this year, a ton of video stuff. You can just follow me at Spencer Crandall and you'll you'll see it all. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk today. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Awesome. See you in St. Louis soon, hopefully. Yes, hopefully. Rolling Stone has just released the annual list of highest paid musicians from the year before. So from 2021. Who do you think is on this list of the highest paid musicians? This is all encompassing? All, all, so genres. all genres. This actually really surprised me. Uh, Toby Keith is always in the top 10 somehow. <laughs> Toby Keith, that's a good, but no. I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to guess Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is top 10, which is kind of low for what I thought. Not number one. She's not number one. Wow. She's number 10. First thought was like JT, maybe Bruno. Kanye. Kanye's Kanye, a good one. Kanye's number four for 250 mil. Ariana Grande. She's not there. Wow. Uh... Cardi B. Kelly Kelly Clarkson. No. Think of like older people. Uh... We've had a, uh, um, okay, so you've had a bunch of the um, like Guns N' Roses tours, things like that recently. So not Guns N' Roses, but Motley Crue. Okay, okay. All right. Red yeah, Hot I've, Chili Peppers. I have no idea. Number one is Bruce Springsteen. Oh, okay. Boss. <laughs> then Jay-Z, Paul Simon, obviously Kanye. Jay-Z just prints money at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's good. But anyway, number nine on the list, above Taylor Swift, Blake Shelton. Wow. You don't say. That's crazy. The only like true, true country singer on the list uh, for a amount of $83 million in 2021, an eight-figure salary for The Voice, plus he released a new album, plus he went on tour. Mm-hmm, so it was a big year for Blake Shelton and his wallet. Uh, you could say that. I wonder where Gwen Stefani is on that list. I know, because I don't think that she really does much anymore. I mean, she also, the voice, I don't think she, like, really releases music much these days or has much of a campaign because I think she's momming. Yeah, but it's always, sure. those, like, like we looked up Bob Saget's net worth. Because uh-huh. you're like, what's Bob Saget Way been more doing? Than you thought. $50 million for Bob Saget? That just seems, uh, it's, it seemed high, but... All these, all these people are also business people, so they've got their hands in multiple things. It's yeah. still making money on music yeah. you made 20 years ago. Exactly, exactly. Right. 
So yeah, a little fun fact for the morning. Blake Shelton kind of just you. like like easing on everybody's radar. Everybody knows him for the most part. Everybody likes him. Low-key, one of the richest guys in the world, in the music world right now. Yeah, that's awesome. Still have some student loans. You know, Blake Shelton, if you listen, it would be a drop in the bucket. I'm just saying. <laughs> so as we made our predictions at the beginning of 2022 about country music artists and what they're going to do this year, one of them was who is going to have a baby. Mm-hmm. I said Thomas Rhett. I said Miranda Lambert. And I said Luke Combs. And Luke Combs is pregnant. On the board. I saw that yesterday and I was like, Meat was right. He was right. Him and Luke Combs are in a bromance, so did he like talk to him on the phone at one point? Probably called him and was like, hey man, just so you know. He sent me a text, yeah. You won, you won. Just a heads up. (laughs) Luke and Nicole, his wife, have been married for a little over like a year, year and a half-ish. And I'm not surprised when I saw that they were pregnant because the last tour that he just finished up, he wrapped up, well, he was here in St. Louis, I think in November, and then he just wrapped it up at the beginning of the year. It took him close to three years to get through that entire tour. Mm -hmm. So that took like way too long. I'm sure with COVID and everything else, it just probably felt like their life kept getting pushed off more and more. Yeah. So I'm not shocked at all that within a year or year and a half after their wedding, they're ready to start having kids. Is there anything about how far along she was? Because she's got a little bump. Like she's... And I feel like most celebrity couples wait for a decent amount of time before they tell everybody, which I totally understand. Or if you're Kane yeah. Brown, you just don't tell anybody at all. <laughs> it just happens. <laughs> it just right. happens, yeah. From what I can see, she hasn't released, like, a due date, but she does, A, she's a little skinny girl. So, like, to show a bump, I don't know if that would take much. Uh-huh. But also, you can really see it there. So. What's the normal announcement time? Is it, like, the three-month milestone? Is that kind of when like you do it normally? Weeks, right? Depends. Like, uh, yeah, 12 weeks is, is, I think, like, a normal time to tell people that aren't close family members. I think we told our really close family members at like seven or eight weeks or something like that. So you just want to make sure you get all the all the initial stuff out of the way and make sure that everybody's good and healthy and all that before you start going telling everybody. So congrats to them. But also last week we talked about Tay of Maddie and Tay pregnant due in April. Yeah. They were hospitalized ever since late December and she and her husband really haven't left the hospital. Baby was born. Yeah. A lot early. Very, very small. Like I said, due in April, but she was born on January 17th. And she's two pounds, but her name is Leighton Grace Kerr. And supposedly she's doing as well as, you know, can be expected at that point. And um, Tay and her husband are super excited. They said, you know what? Whatever. She decided to be Capricorn. So now we're doing what we got to (laughs) do. Figure it out. Yeah, she'll probably be in the NICU for quite some time, but yeah. uh, I, I feel like the doctors and nurses in the NICU, especially even here in St. Louis, we've got some really good ones. But uh, yeah, it's amazing what they can do with, with technology and healthcare when it comes to super premature babies. So mm-hmm. sounds like they're doing well, but obviously we're, we're keeping them in our prayers. Sending them love and congrats yeah. and best wishes and surely going to be following up with their story too. Do you ever just find yourself watching Sunday Night Football and then all of a sudden uh, 60 minutes comes on and then you just sit there and like watch the first 20 minutes because you don't know what's going on? It's, the, it's the, the ticking of that stopwatch that gets me every time. It's like... That sends the, I don't want this, down my spine and I like I when 60 minutes comes on, I know whatever I was watching is done with. Yeah. 
And no nothing hate. positive is going to be on 60 Minutes. No hate to 60 Minutes. But actually, they did do a story with Chris Stapleton this past Sunday. Maybe you saw it. Um, it was actually pretty cool because normally when with the things that they're talking about on 60 Minutes, I am so far removed from. Right. But it was cool to see Chris Stapleton there. And he talked a little bit about, obviously, the music. They showed the 60 Minutes people around backstage. And he was awarded with diamond status for Tennessee whiskey, which basically means that it surpassed 10 million songs sold. That's insane. Also, I figured that Tennessee whiskey would probably be diamond by now just because it's so big anyway. It's all automatically into the classic country songs people will never forget bank of your memory oh yeah for sure he can never beat that song right could never beat that song and the thing is he didn't even like know it because when the 60 minutes people asked you know when you wrote this did you know you're writing a hit do you really do you have that feeling in your gut like man this is going to be the song when you're doing it and this is what he said and there are a lot of songwriters who would claim that they know yeah i knew the instant we wrote this one that it was six week number one and and i was going to Get a big giant check in the mail. I really just think those guys are full of shit. I don't think anybody knows that. Like you can't possibly know how everybody's gonna feel about a song that you write. I don't trust computer research or phone surveys or anything like that. You have to take it to the people. I love him. Take it to the people. Gosh, I love <laughs> Bring him. it to the people. It's, uh, th- that There's so much of that in this industry. Like, oh, you yeah, send everybody down for a focus group because that's how we're going to get. No. No. I'm sorry. If you know that people are watching you on the other side of a mirror yeah. while you're, while you're like, looking at something or tasting something or whatever, you you're not going to get. Same. It's like when I did a sleep study. They, they, like, wired me all up. I had wires all over my body. And then they're like, sleep normally. It's like, okay. That's, sure. Sounds comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he means. He's like, you know what? People are going to like what they like, and you can never really predict that beforehand. Also, as he was showing the 60 Minutes people his whole band cave, as it's called, I always wonder this. When an artist has so many awards, so many relics from over the years, what do they do? Do they just have a room in their house for it? <laughs> well, he has a band cave, almost like a warehouse in Nashville, where they put all of his trophies, like some iconic outfits that he's worn, all of the guitars, and even things called toonies. Remy, you're an award guy. What's a toonie? Gosh, I don't even know. A toonie is a waffle maker spray painted gold from (laughs) Waffle House. Nice. And that means that he's had the most airplay in the jukebox at Waffle House. That's That's impressive. I actually like that award a lot. People are actually choosing him to play the most. And he had like four or five in his collection. He said that he's got the most of any artist ever. Fantastic. Good for him. Good for him. You kind of know, I think you have to know in the back of your mind, he says you don't know it's a hit, but you kind of have to have an idea that's like, this maybe could be. And I think like those ballads that he's got, he's got those slow songs. Mm -hmm. If you're Chris Stapleton and you know that you've got kind of one of those ballads coming out, you're almost like bracing for it, I think. Right. I could see that. Chris Stapleton, everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. See the 60 Minutes clips on our socials, Instagram and Facebook, 92.3 WIL. Brett Eldridge, originally from Paris, Illinois. Paris is on Eastern Illinois, but it's also kind of central. So it's only like, what, two and a half, maybe three hours from the St. Louis area. Yeah, he's an Illinois boy. Remy knows. He reps it too. (laughs) He unfortunately reps Cubs, so we won't talk about that. He does. It's unfortunate. He can have that, though. Yeah, he can. We'll still claim him when he's in town. He (laughs) recently went back to Paris, obviously, for the holidays. This actually, he posted this around the holidays, but I'm just now seeing it, and I thought it was very cool. He said he went walking through their downtown area when he saw this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Oh, wow. That's that's a large hymn. Oh, wow. It's a side mural of, a of him on the side of a Goodwill bu- like building, but like it's, you know, not just a small building. I mean, there's got to be at least three or four stories to this. <laughs> and it's a mural of Brett Eldridge, feet on the ground, head on the top. Like this mural is massive. Yeah. And it's very cool. So uh, qu- real question here. You guys get famous somehow, some way. You go back to your hometown. You see a giant mural of yourself on the side of a building. Are you happy and that's cool? Or are you super embarrassed? Because I feel like I would be very embarrassed by that. If I went back to my hometown and there was like a radio DJ Remy on the side of a building, I would be like, oh my gosh, I need to leave What right about now. the heart surgeon who's saving lives? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've done nothing. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, I just don't know that I would be uh, super happy I about that. I think the big thing with those is how they look. And it's it's like that with the statues. You'll see statues oftentimes for somebody that just looks so bad and nothing like them. You should be embarrassed about something like that. But if it looks good. If it looks good, uh, I think it's something it to be up? proud of. Is it, I it's kind of like a cartoony. No. It's, well, I mean, kind of. I think it looks really cool. But also next to him are the lyrics to one of his songs and they say to be there in the morning would fill my heart with joy to see the courthouse downtown shine in paris illinois see, that's pretty cool see that's what makes it tie it all together is that the, in the background you can literally see the courthouse yeah so it all works out and, and also like, i bet this uh, paris illinois is a small town like i bet they're so proud yeah if he posted it on his page that means he's not embarrassed by it <laughs> it's got that small town vibe to the brick building and yeah. everything so yeah it, it's perfect Look, i think it's, it's great Remy, you can be a hater. I'm I not a hater. Great. I just hate, I just don't know that I would be able to to I think that I would be embarrassed if I saw it of myself. What, what about are you a billboard? gonna do next year when we get billboards? <laughs> I'll be embarrassed. <laughs> like, please listen to the station. Please listen to 923. But, but every time he drives past it, he's gonna look in the other direction. Like cover yeah. space. Unless I look really cool or something. I don't know. But I probably won't. <laughs> Maybe some like cool sunglasses or something. I don't know. It has me in awe when I realize how many country artists are also pilots on the side. Yeah. What else do you do when you have all that money that you don't know how to spend? I guess. That's true. Dirk Bentley, pilot. Dustin Lynch, pilot. Alan Jackson is a pilot. Did, didn't Chris Jansen like fly himself to Jingle Fest or did I make he that up? He definitely came on a Private plane, plane by himself. Yes. They chartered one, right? He does have his pilot's license. So yes. Chris Jansen, yes. I know Thomas Rhett and Tyler Hubbard both said a couple years ago that it's on their to-do list. Also, those are two very busy people, so mm-hmm. it's probably on the bottom of their to-do list. And Jamie Johnson, remember him? Yeah. Should have seen it in color. Yeah, Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. So during quarantine, when everybody was so bored and kind of just get picking up random hobbies and deciding, okay, I've always wanted to do this. I'm finally going to get it done. That's the time that he took to get his pilot's license. So now Jamie Johnson's just flying all over the place. That's an insanely expensive hobby, I would assume. I mean, even if you don't own a plane, you've got to rent mm-hmm. fuel. You've got to rent a plane. You've got yeah. to rent hangar time and all that. I, I assume. I don't know what all goes into I it. I think the price is like in the eight to $10,000 range for your private pilot's license to get like all the training and all the- Just to get certified. Just to get certified and take the test. You need 40 hours uh, behind the seat or behind, you know, um, behind the yolk. 
Behind the is wheel. Is that what it's called? Behind the wheel. The yoke? The yoke. Yeah. Uh, the you need 40 hours before you can even take the test, but most people don't take the test until they get like 55, 60, 65 hours. So, so how do you how do you get those hours? Like, obviously, you're going to go up with somebody. You rent, uh, what, like an hour or two at a time with a plane? Yeah. You, you rent an instructor and you rent a plane. So what is some, do you have any, any idea what that would cost? For an afternoon, like maybe two, three hours in the air, ballpark, Four or five hundred bucks. Okay. Okay. So four or five hundred bucks for like some flying time. This is actually a great question for Remy because he made it one of his goals at the end of last year to work on the first steps to getting his pilot's license. Yes. Yes, I did. And you know what's awesome is we have this little grass airstrip in Columbia, and I was sitting, we were sitting at the doctor's office the other night, and it's up on the hill. It's up on the like the bluff area. Mm-hmm. And I saw this little biplane take off and just go straight in the air like some stunt pilot or something. I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. I so can do much. that. Got like, you going. Your little head sticking out. Like, woo. Yeah, well, next time we see one of these country artists. Would you fly with me? No. You can t- no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, is that too fast? <laughs> even after I was, even after I had my pilot's license, you wouldn't fly with me. I don't think so. Uh, we could fly know. to Nashville. No, maybe like from the Columbia little airstrip that you're talking about to like St. Charles. I would do that. Okay. I'm gonna let you get Baby some experience, kind of yeah. get uh, get your confidence in you. Get and, that uh, license. Next time we see one of these artists, ask them about it because I think that could be a fun conversation. Who was your first passenger? Ooh. Did you have to pay them? <laughs> <laughs> Do they still fly with you? Yeah, right. Casey covers country. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.